0: Hey, welcome to the Impact Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you like it was to us. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, and it is our custom, if you're able to please stand. Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. Would you reach your hands this way and pray for me? God being my helper tonight, we're going to preach Hebrews chapter 12. Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for the opportunity to stand behind your holy desk and minister. God, I pray for this congregation tonight. Oh, God, that you'd begin a work. Father, in every heart in this place and in every mind, that you would put to rest the lies that the enemy has spoken. I don't know what they have come in here with, but I do know one who is able to do exceeding and abundantly above what I could ask or think according to the power that works in us. Now, Father, as we break the bread of life, we ask that you would bless it, anoint it, send signs and wonders to confirm it in Jesus' name. Let your word go forth with demonstration of the Spirit and of power. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. We're preaching tonight out of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. That my the title of my message is simple: Lay It Down and Run. Now, what you have to understand, and if it's okay, I'm just gonna back way up here because I realize that throughout the congregation tonight, people are coming here, you know, at different levels. ...of understanding. Some have been in church all of their life, and so we can use metaphors and things like that... ...and we'll all understand, but, not, but, but I also realize not everybody. So if it's okay, I'm going to back up here and just sort of explain. We're coming into Hebrews chapter 12. We don't really know for certain who wrote this book, but it's believed to be the Apostle Paul. And he's writing it to the Hebrews, to, to uh, the, the Jewish people that were converted uh, to Christianity... And so he understands whenever he uh, makes an analogy to them that they're going to understand what he means when he talks about uh, life being e- equivalent to being like a race, okay? And, and so he starts, he starts from that place with them in, in chapter 12, and we'll talk a little bit more about the testimonies from chapter 11 here later on. But in chapter 12, we start out with an analogy that life is like a race, Jonah, and not just any race, but what the people of this time would have understood, and I began to grasp as I studied this out, was that the people of that time would understand this was more like a relay race. This is not a race that's given to the swift. It's not a battle that's given to the strong, but it's given to him that endures to the end. Sometimes, you know, when we're young, we're full of zeal and full of enthusiasm, and it can be kind of hard to see down the road. But when storms come our way, When waves come to rock your boat, when it seems like everything is upside down, it's it's having that inner strength, that inner core that just keeps on going and will not quit, that frustrates the devil more than anything. He can't figure you out because he himself, the very first time he ever met with any kind of opposition, he fell immediately, was cast down out of heaven. And so he can't figure you out how that you can take... Hit after hit after hit and just keep right on going. How that the Holy Ghost in you can just keep raising up. Just keep pushing you forward. Just keep anointing you anyway. When your heart's broken and when it didn't go the way you thought. But yet, though he slay me, I will trust him. The devil can't figure that out. And so if we can, I'd like to do a quick illustration. Stand up, Jonah. And Tyler, stand up. Will. Joe. Joe. So what they understood was that this was like a relay race. And what the relay race was, everybody would start out in the arena, okay? And the torch would be lit. And all eyes would be on the runner. And the runner would take off. And he would run. His muscles would ache. He'd get weary. His lips would crack and he'd be parched and tired. But he knew he had to get to the next person to pass the baton, if you will. And so Jonah's going to illustrate this for us. So we pass on to the next runner who runs to Tyler. You can move a little quicker than that. I realize we're indoors. And then he runs and takes it to Will. Will, stop for just a second. And with every passing of the baton, their hearts begin to race. The the excitement begins to build. Uh, When's he going to come through the door over here? When's he going to come back into the Colosseum carrying that torch? We know that he's able to do it. Everybody's cheering on. Everybody's looking for him. Uh, And the excitement is building. And with each pass of the torch, with each pass of the baton, the excitement is growing. And the anticipation is building. And Will, you can take it on. And then our brother takes it and runs all the way home. Thank you, brothers. Thank, pardon that, that simple illustration, but I wanted you to kind of, I really wanted you to grasp uh, sort of the dynamic that he's preaching from. We're in a long distance race, and it's passed from one to the next to the next all the way to the finish line. And that's similar to our faith. You see, uh, we didn't just get here overnight. We didn't just get here all by ourselves, but we have been passed and handed down a great inheritance, an inheritance of great price. We this this faith is what the Bible calls like precious faith. Because it's been paid for by the blood of our savior. It did not come cheap. It was it cost full price, if you will, even though it's invaluable. And so when we are running in this this race of life, uh, Paul points out, uh, or, or the, the author, rather, of Hebrews points out that there are some obstacles that come along the way. And I want to examine these a little bit more carefully because it's so important. I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back to this earth any day. And I believe that we're just near to see that time. And, and, and I believe this, this very well could be the generation that sees that. And it's so important for you to understand uh, the the value that is on your soul, the value that is placed on your life, because you may be the generation that carries the torch all the way home, that sees this thing all the way through. So I want you to understand that there's some obstacles that may come up for you. And so we, we find in this scripture, I noticed as I was reading this, we find sort of three groups, three points, if you will. We, we find uh, exactly what it is that we are running from. We find exactly who it is that we are running for. And finally, we find exactly who it is in this scripture, who we are running to. Is, is this all right? First, I want to tell you about what we are running from. The Bible said that because we have this great cloud of witnesses, that we need to lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and I'm going somewhere. Hang on with me. You see, sin is so can be so subtle. It can be so sly. It can weasel its way in among God's people, seemingly undetected at first, and grow and grow. You know, sin. I think sometimes, Tad, we have a very closed-off uh, conception. Of what sin has to look like. We think it has to look like a certain person. That comes into church a certain way. And looks a certain way. Praise God. And we have this concept of sin built up in our minds. That it somehow applies to somebody else. But sin is so sneaky. Beloved don't forget. That the scripture said. Examine yourself. To see whether you even be in the faith. Did it not say. That there will be some people on that day that will say, Lord, we prophesied in your name. And he'll look at them and say, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Sin is so sly, Brendan. And it just takes a little seed to get its way into the crack and worm its way in. And before you know it, the problem has grown out of control. You know, I'm alarmed. in today, Tad, that social media makes sin so easy. Because you can chop somebody up and have them for dinner with all your keyboard courage. You can assassinate their character. But I'm afraid that maybe one day we'll get to the judgment throne, Tad, and like a large projector, we'll be there. And every social media post will be displayed. How will you answer to God? How will you answer to God for every click? For every website visited? How will you answer? Are your sins washed in the blood, my friend? If the finger of God came down into this church tonight and wrote the walls of your last phone conversation, text message, or snap streak on these walls, would you have to hang your head in shame? The sin... That so easily besets us. Not a difficult thing. It's not something that only applies to somebody far away. It's sin that easily besets us. And in this day that we live in, we have to be so vigilant against sin. I am alarmed, and I'm telling you, I, I am. I am so. I'm sick to death of. People getting up and putting a cross and putting the name of Jesus over everything that they do. Believing that they're, they're they're too spiritual to fall. I guess they think that once you get money and notoriety that the gospel doesn't apply to you anymore. But I can tell you that the Bible said it's easier. It is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. The gospel applies to every socioeconomic status. Man, woman, boy, girl, no matter who you are, we will be judged right here according to this book. You better know what it says. Apply it to your life. Say, God, how can I do better? Sin that so easily besets us. I'm feeling better. Hallelujah. I feel my help coming. You know, I'm sick to death uh, 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 of of what I'm seeing. on, on, And I'm not going to call anybody's names. You know, I listen to modern worship music quite often in my car. I listen to the Apple playlist uh, called Worship Today. I'll be quite honest with you. Do I agree with what everybody on there does? No, but I can't see them because it's only audio only. So I just close my eyes and praise God. Well, I don't close my eyes because I'm driving, but you know what I mean. (laughs) But I heard recently, and I just felt the need to address this, uh, the Holy Ghost is not something mysterious or, or mystic or something that's going to be done. You know, Tad preached to us a few weeks ago, this thing wasn't done in a corner. You guys remember that? The Holy Ghost isn't something mystic or far out or, or weird, okay? And, I, and I'm alarmed at, at things like when I hear that people are giving prophecies out of a book based on your birthday, excuse me, in the the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, when Isaiah chapter 47 says that astrologers and stargazers and predictors of events based on the month will be thrown like stubble into the fire, I'm telling you, you better pay attention to what the book says. And you better lay it down and run for your life. It can be a slow fade. Pay attention to where you're going. Understand. You better make sure. I know some people can't get out of a paper bag without a GPS, but you better understand exactly where you're going because this thing is winding up. And Jesus Christ is not coming back after some uh, mamby-pamby, just-whatever-goes church. He is coming after a victorious church that said, I've done everything to keep your precepts and hide them in my heart. I've done everything to hide your word that I might not sin against you or offend you. I'm preaching about lay it down and run. It is small foxes that spoil the whole vine. Are you all with me tonight? Is this all right? And so, some of you come in to church. And I think we've, we've, we've hit on the first points hard enough. Okay, so we'll move on. But some come into church. He said, don't just look out for sin that easily besets you. Look out for the weight. Jonah, I've never ran competitively. You have. You ran cross country. When, when you started to take off, did you, did, you, did you look like me? Did you have a big heavy sack? No. What, what did you wear to run it? Did you wear combat boots? No. What did you wear? Real light clothes. Real light, shoes. light clothes, light running shoes. Didn't come in weighted down, did you? Why? Remember 1 Corinthians chapter 9 says everybody runs in a race, but only one obtains the prize. So run that you may obtain the prize. Because those that strive for the mastery do so for a corruptible crown. But we for an incorruptible. Therefore run. Not as one who has no direction. Fight. Not as one who is just beating the air. But fix your eyes. And some of you I I feel come in bowed down beneath the weight. And I I just want to speak the name of Jesus. And and I'm not trying to make light of what you're going through. I know that it's heavy. It's heavy. Because I have been there. I've been carrying it myself. But sometime in prayer today, I felt the Lord help me roll another weight off as I prepared for this service. And I can tell you that as you come in here, bowed down beneath the weight. God has great mercy. And I don't know what you have to go back home to when you leave this service. But I can promise you that right here at this altar... It will only take a couple of seconds. God, uh, this is what I came in with. God, this is, this is the challenge that I'm facing. This is the family situation that I have to go back home to. This is the addiction that I have. God, uh, this is how I've been depressed. God, this is how I've been bowed down under anxiety. God, I don't know if I can take one more day. But I'm telling you in the name of Jesus Christ. He is faithful and just. And he said all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. And in just a couple of seconds. Lay it down and run for your life. You can walk away from it, you don't have to pick it up anymore, you never have to see it again. I'm telling you, He can make you so free, because whom the Son makes free is free, indeed. There's no limit to what my God can do, there's no... Who are we serving anyway? I'm talking about a savior that hung on the cross. I'm talking about the creator of the universe. Who put stars into their their orbit. Planets into their orbit. I'm talking there's nothing. No nothing. That God can't do. Lay Lay it down and run. Lay it down and run. Lay it down and run. So we know what we're running from. We're running from sin. And we're running from weight. And I have to tell you. There is a reason why we must live above sin. The devil hates you. Do you understand that? He wants to see you fail. He doesn't want to see you succeed in anything. And if he can do that without you even realizing it. Subverting the plan of God. And I'm trying to hurry. Then he'll do it. But I'm just. I'm telling you. Sometimes I've sat where you sat. And as a teenager you think that. The preacher does not know what they're talking about, as though the preacher is somehow isolated from real-world problems. (sighs) Thank you, Tad. But I'm telling you, when I did my surgery internship, and I'm not trying to scare you into believing. If I could do that, this thing would be easy. But you have to believe in your heart. But I'm telling you, when I did my internship in general surgery, I was on my month of trauma and I was in an area that was very oppressed. A lot of people walking around with a lot of weight, Callie. But one night, I in particular, still hunts me. It was about 3 o'clock in the morning, and I was in the, the, the room where we sleep at the hospital, the call room. And my pager went off. And it was the organ procurement people. They said, we need you to come do a brain death exam. I was familiar with the process. I printed off the the papers, went down to do it. And to my horror, in the bed laid a 13-year-old boy, bowed down under the weight and the cares of life. He had took his own life. His mother had taken her own life. And he let that, that that just weighed on him and weighed on him. And weighed on him. I'm talking about lay it down. And run. And that weighed on him. And finally on the anniversary. Of his mother's death. He decided that he. Had had enough. And ended it. And I went and did my examination. Pronounced him dead. And tried to move on. The end result of sin will always, always produce death. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to just crash the thing like that, but I want you to understand how serious this is, what we're playing for. The devil is playing for keeps. But there is a bright side. Living for the Lord. In Genesis chapter 14, we find that Abraham gets gets word that one of the kings, we'll call him King Elam because that's his name and because I cannot pronounce, though I've tried multiple times, I cannot pronounce the name of his kingdom. I practiced today and I just couldn't get it. So uh, we'll call him King Elam. And he gets in a consortium with three other kings. And these four kings go out on a raid. And this is in Genesis chapter 14, way back when. And they start... Overtaking other kingdoms around. And one of the kingdoms that they overtake is the kingdom of Sodom. And that happens to be where Abraham's nephew Lot lives. The Bible says he was Abraham's brother's son. And so Abraham gets word of this. And he gets up and takes some of his servants. And he goes down and he overtakes King Elam. And stops him. Because he was a wicked man. And and he was he was murdering the men and kidnapping the women and children and, and just rioting and looting in the streets. And so Abraham gets up and says, You know, I had to do something for my family. And he wins a great victory and frees the kingdoms that King Elam had put in bondage. And the king of Sodom comes to him and is very thankful and says, Oh, I want to give you all this stuff. Be careful. What you take away. Hell wants to leave its fingerprints on you. Be careful what you take away. He says, I want to leave all this stuff with you. A bunch of stuff. Just return the people to me. You can keep the stuff. You can keep the spoils. You can keep the riches. Abraham says, no. Not from a thread. Not even a shoe latchet. Lest you say, I have made Abraham rich. He knew that the king of Sodom, he was, in, he, he was being unfairly treated at that particular time. But the king of Sodom himself was a wicked man. And the people of Sodom were themselves wicked when they got overtaken. But for the sake of his family, Abraham intervened. But he said, I don't want to take anything that you've got. Because I don't want your identity on me. What about you tonight? Has hell left its fingerprints on you? You can have it washed clean. Tonight, you can lay it down and run away from it. But what I, the point I wanted to make was this. If you fast forward about four chapters to Genesis chapter 18, God tells Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom. And him and Abraham go through back and forth. And Abraham says, well, what if I can find 50 righteous? God says, okay, if you can find 50 people who are righteous in Sodom, I won't destroy it. Couldn't find 50. What about 45? Yeah, okay. 20, 10, is anybody left? And if you're in a spot where you feel like you're so alone, can I tell you, I pray tonight that God would open your eyes to see that those that are with you are so much greater. It's a lie. The grass is not greener on the other side. You're right where you're supposed to be in the house of God. You're right where you're supposed to be in God's house. Don't believe the lie and be damned. Don't do it. Don't do it. But Abraham, uh, since nobody's righteous in Sodom, uh, Abraham finally, God sends angels to warn Lot because they're Abraham's family. you got to get out of here. This place is being destroyed. And the point I wanted to make was this. If Abraham had fallen to the king of Sodom, and taken what he offered him and made the deal, Lot and his family and all the rest of Abraham's family in that city would have been destroyed. You cannot help somebody for who is drowning unless you are in the lifeboat yourself. Does anybody want to get on the lifeboat? I'm pulling for somebody tonight. But Abraham was able to intervene for Lot because he stayed righteous. And I had a similar situation in my life. You know, many of you know me, but some of you do not. But my dad is not a Christian. He's been an alcoholic all of my life and a lot longer than I've even been alive. But, Tad, I was able to have a very frank conversation with him recently. I said, Dad, the Bible's true. And that's why I preach it. I said, and... One day, eternity will come. And you'll be in heaven or hell. There's no in between. And I just told him the facts of the gospel. And I'm telling you, coming up, growing up in that house, Tad, was not easy to serve the Lord. And I'm not saying, I understand that people have a lot worse situations. So I'm not trying to make you feel sorry for me. But I'm just saying, despite all that, I asked the Lord, the key was this. I asked the Lord, God, don't let go of my hand. When I was about your age, Chase, I said, God, whatever you do, sometimes even if I resist you, if you have to drag me through the mud, don't turn loose of my hand. And he has been faithful to me. He's never let me go. And I was able to witness to my dad because I stayed away from what the king of Sodom, what the devil had to offer. Now tonight, quickly, I want to move on. We now know what we're running from. But now let's talk about who we're running for. Hebrews chapter 11, which is the chapter before our text, goes through so many different testimonies, and and I just don't have time to read them to you. But it talks about how that they were How that that they were torn asunder and they wandered in the deserts and the wilderness and in the caves. and, And they went through real trial and real persecution. The saints of God in the New Testament church really had to fight for their faith. But yet, then we culminate to coming up to, after hearing all those testimonies of what God had done in the saints of old in their lives. We get to chapter 12, wherefore seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Can I tell you, you have, you have a cloud of witnesses cheering you on. And time would fail me to tell of the saints that have affected my life. But if I could implore you tonight, run, lay it down, lay down the sin, lay down the weight, and run. For whoever that was in your life, I know that just affected this ministry. I could say lay it down and run for Sister Barbara. Lay it down and run for Sister Alice Trent who greatly impacted my life and given the events of last week. I would ask you lay it down and run for Amanda. Lay it down and run. You have so much a great clout. And I'm sorry... I'm trying not to be emotional. You have a great cloud of witnesses behind you, pushing you all the way. And when you feel like you can't give up, oh Ted, I can almost hear her tonight. Come on. Well, go ahead now. Can you can you can you hear it? Can you feel it in your spirit? We've been given not a cheap faith, but this has been paid for with the blood of the saints and the martyrs. This has been paid for with a high price. Lay down every weight. And every sin, and run for God. We're running from sin. We're running for those who've gone on before that are cheering us on. And finally, in the last few minutes, we are running, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Let me tell you about this man called Jesus. He walked on the sea, on top of the water. He healed blind eyes and unstopped deaf ears. He healed lepers when nobody was supposed to touch them. But more importantly, he carried a cross that was meant for you all the way up Golgotha's Hill. It was heavy and it was hard. And it splintered his already raw flesh on his back. But he walked every step. The Bible said so that in the book of Jude, uh, verse 24, I believe it is, said that so he could present you to himself blameless. With exceeding joy in the presence of His glory. I'm talking about a Savior worth having, as Evie Hill would say. This Savior, the Bible says about Him in, in, in the book of Revelation, that unto Him that loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood, and has made us kings and priests unto God and His Father, to Him be dominion and glory forever. I'm talking about a Savior that, that uh, uh, the Bible said in, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of His grace. I'm talking about a Savior who can take whatever you have, who can take whatever mess that you are in and can turn it around and give you a new song in your heart that you never thought you'd sing again. Oh, God. Looking unto Him. Looking unto that Jesus. Let me, let me read you about Him in these last few minutes. Just in case. Just, just to make the devil mad, really. The Bible said in Revelation chapter 19, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness... He judges and makes war. His eyes are as a flame of fire. On his head are many crowns. And he has a name written. That no man knew but he himself. And he is clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him on white horses. Clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. That with it he should smite the nations. And rule them with a rod of iron. I'm talking about your Jesus. Uh, And Rule them with the rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Can I tell you we're not going down in defeat? We're not going out of here in a puff of smoke. We're going out of here in power. We're going out of here with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And one of these days, He's going to come back for me, or He'll call my name. And I'm telling you that in that day, I shall be like Him, for I shall see Him as He is. And you can too. Lay down every weight. Lay down every sin. Lay it down and run. But I want to talk to you for a minute. There's a group here that I need to talk to. Somebody that I'm pulling for. In Matthew 19. The Bible talks about. There was a rich young ruler. And the Bible said. That he came to Jesus and said. How can I have eternal life? He was being questioned at the time. By the religious leaders. By the Pharisees. And uh, he said. How can I have eternal life? Jesus says to him keep the commandments he says which ones and Jesus names some to him don't murder don't commit adultery honor your mother and father and he says I've kept all these ever since my youth what am I lacking when's the last time that you were honest with God and said God show me what am I lacking God show me what's the way in my life what's the sin in my life And Jesus said, one thing you lack, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor and follow me. And the man, listen to this, went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He got so close. He spoke with the savior, probably shook hands with him. He was in his presence. Don't miss your window tonight because I'm going to give you an invitation to come up and pray and the choice is yours what you do with it what do you do with this Jesus that I've been preaching about do you want to run on this race that I've been talking about that I've been preaching about do you feel charged at all to run a better race to run harder than you've ever ran to do better than you did before Thanks for listening. If you were blessed or encouraged, go ahead and subscribe to the Impact Podcast and share it with a friend to bless them too. Connect with us on Instagram at ImpactYM and remember you can have as much of God as you want.